This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. And welcome to another episode of Queen City Nerves News Hounds Podcast. My name is Ryan Pitkin, as always, and today I've got a double dose, two guests that I've known for a very long time, uh, longer than I've known Queen City Nerve, longer than Queen City Nerves existed. Uh, I wanted to bring you guys in to have a little bit of a talk. Uh, two of the biggest cycling advocates in Charlotte, I'd say, hands down. We have Shannon Bins here, founding executive director of Sustain Charlotte. What's going on, Shannon? Hey, how you doing? Good to be here. Not too bad. Not too bad. It's a beautiful day out. Uh, and we also have Diana Ward here, who is founding executive director of Charlotte Joyrides. It's great to be here. You doing all right? I am doing very well. Thank you. Um, I was talking to Shannon a little bit during our discussions about um, doing this podcast about how long I've known both of you. Now, I do remember 2015, it was, I believe, that I met Diana while reporting on a story on Hawthorne, tragic loss of a cyclist there named Al Gorman. Um, and I thought that I had met you as well, but apparently Shannon was right on top of things, knows my history better than I do. He sent me some stories that I had reported on even in the past, uh, going back to Reed Park. So you have, Shannon, you founded Sustained Charlotte in 2010? That's right. It was? Yeah. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of sort of what that what your organization does before we get into the, get into the, the wonky weeds about bicycling in Charlotte. What, what is Sustain Charlotte all about? Yeah, so uh, we work to shape the, the way that Charlotte and the, and the region grow, so that it grows in a way that's healthier, more equitable, uh, more vibrant. Um, and so we do that mainly by focusing on land use and transportation uh, policy and, um, and budgets and trying to bring um, more ways for people to uh, get around without having to get into a car and also more development that is you know, compact, that is, um, uh, you know, corresponds with walkability, bikeability, sort of trying to reduce the urban sprawl and create a, a more compact, um, mixed use, um, 10 minute neighborhood type of type of city. Right. And we could talk uh, about those main pillars of Sustain Charlotte, make it a two hour podcast. So we're yeah. going to focus, we're going to narrow it in. And Diana, you uh, Charlotte Joyrides used to be Charlotte B Cycle. A lot of people still know it as that. Um, tell me a little bit about what was your motivation behind founding that. When and when and how it came about. So, in addition to Charlotte Joyrides, I own my own tour company, mm-hmm. and um, I mean we we started off being a bike tour company and a van tour company, and we added segways somewhere along the way. Um, and I was. Through that work, at some point, I decided to add segways to the mix, and Center City Partners, a downtown association, um, got wind of that. Um, I was in South End. Um, my business was located in South End, so in their footprint, and they um, we formed a relationship, and so they knew that I was doing uh, bike tours, and they asked me. Well, I went to them one day because I had gone to France, and I saw Velib. Um, over by the George Pompidou Center um, and the Stravinsky Fountain, like right there. And I came back and I drew up some sketches and I went to Center City Partners and said, I want to start a bike share program. Um, And so about a year later, they came back to me and said, how'd you like to run a bike share program? And so that's how I got involved. Um, I've been a cyclist. My father was a bike commuter. And so he passed the love of cycling 
uh, down to me. I'm not sure that my brothers or sisters got the bug, <laughs> but I definitely um, have bikes have been an integral part of my transportation um, the better part of my life. Right. So, and, and folks would recognize B Cycle, the original sort of uh, bike share program that you just mentioned, and the way it was originally launched. That before we just had scooters strewn about. At random, there were the there were the racks and the rent the bikes that you could rent and sort of take out of the racks and bring back. Uh, so folks are are curious as to whether they're familiar. That might be a, a recognizable feature of how Charlotte Beat Cycle used to work. Um, so before we really get into it, how does how does how is that now formed into Charlotte Joyrides? So we started off with two hundred bikes in twenty stations. Um, we were generously sponsored by Blue Cross, Atrium, well, uh, CMC at the time, but Atrium and Verizon Wireless. And we were able to start from the center because uh, bike share is a great last mile solution. So you want to put it in places where there is a lot of, de- where it's in densely Dense, populated yeah. areas. <laughs> so we started off in the center of town and worked our way out, but trying to make sure that no station was more than a couple of blocks away. Um, over the years, we have sold, I think, approximately 10 stations to developers and have paid for four additional stations. So we're at 34. We've had to move a couple of temporary, a couple temporarily mm-hmm. while we do construction, while, while buildings are being constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, are, we, are, we technically have 34 stations now and 343 all e-assist bikes. Um, so that is, and basically the program still works, um, similar to the way that it did, um, originally, originally it was very confusing. It's like you check out a bike and mm-hmm. you dock it every 30 minutes and, right, right. and now we've just gone through to a straight fee per 30 minute, um, or you can purchase an all-day pass for $30, or you can purchase a monthly pass, or you can purchase an annual pass for $150, which, if you live in the urban core of Charlotte, makes it the cheapest transportation option in the city, if awesome. you break it down. by Because we give you, I, I think it's two hours of ride time with mm-hmm. your annual membership, so you can go anywhere you want to go mm-hmm. um, during that period of time. Go, do, go uh, grocery shopping, run some errands, and then return the bike. Right. So getting into just the, the wider zooming out picture, I did want to start to start with the, the downer. I know it's not usually a way, the way I go into things, but I did want to acknowledge and honor the fact of uh, Bruce Allen Davis was killed actually just starting off this week uh, cycling on Matthews Township Parkway. He was, uh, it was on his 67th birthday on Sunday, and he was attempting to actually cycle 67 miles on his 67th birthday. Um, and I just wanted to sort of acknowledge that because it, it is a, a tragic bookend to sort of what we were talking about, what I mentioned earlier, to how I met you, Diana, and we wrote that when I was reporting on the death of Al Gorman, who I was already, I had known since childhood and, and was another uh, cyclist kid killed when I believe it was a car wreck occurred and one car went flying into another, went into him. And uh, it just seems like one of those things where it's um, it's something you hear about a lot. I'm on, I'm on Twitter with a very many cycling advocates who are constantly talking about it over and over. And, but, you know, it, it does come back and strike the community very, uh, you know, uh, Far too often, I remember you giving me 
telling me during that reporting process of, you know, there should never be somebody who was just in passing saying it was for Al the wrong place at the wrong time. And you were saying, well, for cyclists, it should never be a wrong place in a wrong time. Um, I don't really have a question for that. I just wanted to acknowledge that, you know, we, we in the Charlotte area lost another, uh, fervent cyclist and, uh, acknowledge that that's sort of the, the stakes that we're talking about here when we talk about cycling safety. So I'll start with the, the very broadest question. If we were to give a, a letter grade to the Charlotte area in terms of how things have improved since, let's say, uh, 2013, in terms of you guys have both been in this field witnessing changes to infrastructure, changes to ordinances, policies, things like that. How would you rate any improvements that have or haven't been made in terms of cycling infrastructure here in the Charlotte area over that last decade? Go ahead, Dinah. Oh, I'm going to give the city an A++ yeah. for um, direction, for being a southern city, um, traveled all over the world. I've ridden my bike across France. I've ridden my bike from you know Pittsburgh to D.C., um, I give Charlotte, I mean, we're in the South, and we have people working within our government advocating for things that they may or may not even take part in. I mean, I get it. Portland, New York, D.C., all of these really liberal places having um, great bicycle infrastructure. But I look at the South, and I look at Charlotte and say, when I moved here, there were zero bike lanes and I think it was 2003, the story that Danny Pleasant and Danny Gallagher would tell, one lane of bike lane in 2003. In and now city. look at us. Yeah. Last night, I did a, a tour for a group of people who were here um, for a business meeting. And, you know, uptown, we d couldn't really stay on a ton of bicycle infrastructure, but we stayed safe. But then I took them all the way to Noda on bicycle infrastructure, except for the last piece up to, um, uh, like the old anomalies kind of, uh, over where that pet store is mm -hmm. when you come, there's the bike lane and I get people off of Davidson there mm -hmm. because that's my, the bike lane eventually. That's where I live. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. So we, we took, um, we, we jetted down to 35th street, mm -hmm. went over to growlers pub and, mm -hmm. um, got back on Davidson for a little bit, but then we could hop back on the rail line mm -hmm. and come all the way back uptown, drop them off at Optimus Hall. We picked the bikes up today. But that used to be my route when I first moved here. I mm -hmm. would go to Davidson because there was nobody on Davidson. I lived in Wesley Heights. That was when the smelly cat was the only thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I forgot the name of the old restaurant that was there, served on paper plates. Oh, uh, I'm not sure. Um, gosh, I remember it when I don't mm -hmm. need to remember it, but right now I can't remember. But there was nothing in Noda. And um, and I think they were building the, the building for the Mellow Mushroom. Um, and I would ride that way, and I'm like, I was on the street the right. entire time. Now I can go through and almost on safe streets and bicycle infrastructure get around the town. Now... For a beginning cycler, cyclist, I would say Charlotte. Uh, you know, without grading it, I don't. I, I don't even want anybody I know just hopping on a bike mm. and getting around the you city. Know what you're, if you're going to do going. anything more than the Greenway, 
I think you have to get used to riding a bike on a greenway. Mm -hmm. And then, like even me, I ride in from East Charlotte all the way over from Sheffield Park. I go through a cemetery. I'm on Norland for like a quarter mile, maybe. No, let's say an eighth of a mile. And then on Woodland for a brief period, Commonwealth for a brief period. But then I can get on bicycle infrastructure right there, um, um, not Brookshire, um, Briar Creek. Mm -hmm. And then go over to the park. Uh, You can either go under the street, depending on which side of the street you're on. And then I'm on Greenway and real safe street all the way into town. I don't change that route. Right. There are times when I'm busy and I'm late and I don't change that route because I have found the only route I feel safe riding into town on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say Charlotte is not a safe city to cycle in outside of the urban, urban core where all of the bicycle connectivity in greenways and slower um, traffic is like right. uptown in the surrounding area mm-hmm. outside of that yeah there's work to be done there's a there's a lot of work to mm-hmm. be done i mean you know i go over to uh europe every summer summer and do multi-day hikes i could ride from geneva all the way to chamonix mm-hmm. on a on a on a bike lane i can i can ride a bike from munich to venice mm-hmm that's a lot of connectivity. We have a lot of work to do. So, right. a lot of work. <laughs> but A++ to Charlotte oh, for the work they have done. In that area, in that core area. Shannon, I know the big part, a big thing sustained Charlotte has played a role in not only advocating but really being active in is these 5th Street, 5th, 6th Street connectors and the project that's taken place over that, over that span I mentioned. What are your thoughts on sort of the improvements and where Charlotte stands after the last 10 years of work? Yeah, I think the city's certainly made a lot of progress. I don't know if I'd go A plus plus. That's that's <laughs> that's really optimistic. There's there's certainly been a much greater focus. Um, but you know, going back to 2013, you know, there was a dip. I think as well. We um, during the um, well, really during the recession in 2008, uh, I believe it was the city stopped funding their bike program altogether, and it took many years to restore funding. So I forget which year it was. The funding was restored. It might have been 2018 or 2019. Um, through some advocacy of ours and, other, and our allies, we were able to get the city to actually start putting aside money in the budget to build bike infrastructure again. So today, that's still at it's still not that high of a number. It's currently four million a year, which is really pales in comparison to what we need. But it's it's better than zero. Right. So pales to a lot of other uh, things in the in the city budget as well. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure does. Um, so there's definitely been, I think, one of the, the, the big things that have happened, as you mentioned, you know, there's protected bike lanes now in some places, uh, like the 5th, Street, 5th, 6th Street Lane that crosses all of Uptown, connecting, you know, the two greenways, Irwin Creek and Little Sugar Creek. Um, we have a protected bike lane on a portion of the plaza in Plaza Midwood. We have Parkwood that's been um, road dieted with with protect some semi-protected bike lanes added after the death right. of Al Gorman. How do you define um, protected? I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. We can get to this later. I just want to throw it into the the ether because I know that you know some of the the plaza has planters. Hawthorne yeah. has the little sticks. I don't know what the <laughs> what the terminology is. We yeah, don't really have many bollards yeah. in Charlotte, like yeah. like concrete bollards or anything like that. Yeah, 
I, I, I was saying semi-protected on Parkwood just because mm -hmm. Parkwood doesn't have a lot of vertical barriers. Mm -hmm. There are some um, kind of bumps, essentially, uh, called armadillos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. You can imagine <laughs> the shape of an armadillo. But because there's a lot of driveways um, you know, for, for people's homes on Parkwood, they didn't do as many of the vertical barriers. So you know, Parkwood, while it's much better, the new design is much better than what it was when, when Al was hit and killed, it certainly slowed down um, vehicles and, and reduced um, reduced collisions on that road. It's still not, you know, a fully protected mm -hmm. bike lane like what we have on 6th Street. 6th mm -hmm. Street is, you know, there's a vertical barrier essentially the entire distance of, right. the, of, that, of that segment. Um, but some other positives, uh, you know, the city now has, at least on a map, has lines on a map for a, a citywide priority bike network that we, we did not have in 2013 and has been... So now is intentionally trying to build a network, which is key um, to being able to, for people to look to bicycling as a reliable uh, and safe form of transportation. There needs to be a network. You know, we still have a very fragmented um, network of, of bicycle facilities that so makes it hard to get from one place to the other without having to, you know, get out of a bike lane and, mm -hmm. and, and get into the street with a car. Um, so the, the fact that there is now lines on a map that show a vision for a connected network is, is huge and the city is, that helps the city, you know, prioritize which streets need to be designed for, um, for, you know, for bicycling first. Right. Uh, we also have another, another, I think, exciting thing that happened was the decision that the city made to create an uptown network, uh, called Uptown Connects, um, which is a seven mile network uptown that's underway. You know, the sixth street bike lane is part of that, but there's other roads that have protected bike lanes in uptown. Um, but that was a, you know, a, a, a vision that the city put in place uh, several years back now and has been, you know, slowly trying to fund and build out that network. So again, to Diana's point, you know, the, the focus has largely been uptown, but that's partly because that's where there's the most, um, you know, the greatest likelihood of, and, of greatest right. propensity for, for people to bike. And a lot of cities start with their downtowns and then expand outward. But, you know, the city has also been putting in separated bike lanes and other types of bike facilities further out, you know, when, when roads are, are redesigned or, or, or rebuilt. So um, it is happening out there, but you certainly don't have uh, near the network that we're trying to achieve right now in, uh, in Center City. I think it also, as a non-expert, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. I think it also sort of goes hand in hand with a, with a better trans, just mass transit or public transit system in general. With more, if we were to have more light rail, uh, more effective bus uh, system, then there'd be more reason for the outer suburbs to sort of buy into this sort of thing. Just a. Well, I think that the myth, one of the one of the things that I've like that I realize is okay, so. I told you I went to France and rode my bike across France because they have this thing called Eurovelo and it goes through many countries and all through France and you can get anywhere you want to go. But the truth of the matter is, is that everywhere you go in the world, there are a ton of cars mm -hmm. and that Eurovelo trail took me through roads that were not, um, I, w I would say are sketchy for a single cyclist to be riding alone. I was literally riding alone. I rented my bike on my own. I mapped out everything on my own, and I went. And so this notion that there are people intently trying to get away from the urban core 
mm-hmm. and moving to Jiblitz intentionally. I don't believe that we need to provide bicycle infrastructure everywhere. Mm. I think that if, um, you know, people move to the suburbs for many reasons, but history is not good. Um, history shows us a lot of people move to the suburbs to get away from the inner city. Right. <laughs> and those people who are making it a point of saying, I'm going to stay in the inner city because this is where the resources are, I really think that we should not be spending money trying to put bicycle infrastructure everywhere. I think where the dense populations are is where you should be trying to, I've chosen or you've chosen or whomever's chosen to live in a densely populated area. Yes, we have less land. Yes, we have uh, probably more pollution (laughs) and a bunch of other things. But this is where you have all of these people, the higher probability that they might actually get on a bike and Mm -hmm. do more things. And you're talking about creating connectivity in a lot smaller, uh, in a a lot smaller uh, space. I do think that greenways should be everywhere. But when Mm -hmm. you, I think we need to separate the conversation when we're talking about the road cyclists, Mm -hmm. because there are people who come out, get out on the weekends, Right. Or weekdays sometimes and ride, you know, 25, 50 miles. Um, obviously not going to be able to support that because mm-hmm. you're right. talking about going to Gastonia, all mm-hmm. the way to Gastonia. But I do believe that if you look at the people who are choosing an urban lifestyle, I mean, just draw a circle and look at where all the apartments are, all the tiny houses <laughs> and everything. That's that's where we need the bicycle infrastructure. That would also, I think, relieve a lot of congestion in certain areas. It would free up parking spaces uh, for businesses because there's less parking in a lot of these urban urban spaces. Um, so I, 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 I'm not necessarily – I like how the city is working mm-hmm. primarily looking at the urban core and working out mm-hmm. uh, because this is where we need it. you got a building with 5,000 people living in it. There's 5,000 people. We have a chance to get out of their car for at least a few um, – a few times a week and you know who knows a lot of those people are probably walking to work mm-hmm. so not why not make it easier right. for them one other thing that i wanted to point out if i if i could back up just a little bit so i that that cycle track is part of my um ride home i think the difference between our bicycle infrastructure and other places other countries is we're trying to retrofit it and so when you're riding in that bike lane, you had better be driving like you're riding in a car because I don't care how much cement they put between you and the str- and the cars. I've seen cars roll over those those You're talking about in uptown armadillos. Or, I've seen or, them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen people run over. Not only that, at every intersection there's a chance you're going to get T-boned. So it's not it's giving you a lane and it is safer. Um but there are places where they have, you know, protected lanes, and it is like you have your own light, and you get to go when cars aren't going. And yeah, that's a great point. We we really one thing we're not doing much of um, are protected intersections, mm-hmm. and that would help a lot because that is, as Diana mentioned, the most dangerous place for for cyclists, and where a lot of of, of, a lot. of injuries and, and deaths occur. We do have one that's been been built um, on Jordan at Jordan and Davidson. Oh, right. um, it's still a you know a difficult 
intersection from a safety standpoint because it's just so massive. It's so it's so wide. Mm-hmm. But I think that's our first attempt in Charlotte at, at a protected yeah. intersection, and we we need a lot more of those, um, especially at those busy busy we, crossings. We would sit there and watch those. Uh, I live like I said on that Charles, and I would sit at my neighbor's house where you can literally see the the, the new Jordan construction. Uh, and I believe this was before it was the markings and the and the signage and maybe even the bollards were completely finished. But we'd sit there and four out of five cars turning right onto North Davidson coming down Jordan were just driving in the bike lane. Mm-hmm. And then sort of like it just they would vary in where exactly they realized it and hit before, the brakes. Before there was physical barriers. Right. I, yeah. I, I think it was before they it's put some paint. physical stuff in yeah. there. But there was even the concrete. I guess it might be the armadillos. There was like raised concrete there. Uh-huh. People were just driving on the wrong side of it and very confused. So I guess it's, it also has to do with signage. And I also think that anywhere that they're going to have the bike lanes, there needs to be no turn on red signs. So I, I, was, I was scared at McDowell and 7th Street. And I mentioned something, and within a couple of days, someone put a no turn on red for people going north on McDowell. Hey, you connections like that, Diana? I don't think so. <laughs> I think that that was all coincidence. Well, okay. But it was the right thing to do. And if you if you look, when I'm going down the the protected bike lane, going to going east, you get to that Carol Hefner Center at daycare time, daycare release time. Nobody's looking. Mm-hmm. Let's back up a little further towards town. People coming out of the Imagine On parking garage come up from that hill because uh, it's it's downhill to into the parking garage, and no one's looking. Everybody's looking in the direction of the traffic that is coming. Mm-hmm. Nobody looks in the direction like if they're on a one-way street and yeah. they're trying to merge into that one-way street yeah that's the challenge they're not the, looking having a two-way cycle they're not track looking on a street they're mm-hmm. not looking yeah. right they're looking yeah, that is left but it's it's with everything it's like you, you get to an intersection and it's like hey i need to turn right so i'm only looking left but then there are 10 people standing here waiting to cross this street mm-hmm. and you just almost clip them by yeah. only focusing on the traffic uh, that's the threat to you you turn to stay in touch with the city around you. Broadcast news isn't what it used to be, and commercial radio doesn't scratch that itch. If only there was one place you could get it all, when you want, wherever you want, on your schedule, there is the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city on your schedule at queencitypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. done a lot of writing well just even in the council quickies and covering city council talking about this new quality of life team that is aiming to sort of confront or address uh, the issues that a lot of cyclists have been raising in front of city council as well as on social media about parking and bike lanes uh Luana mayfield herself has talked about it multiple times and she's she's had some great speeches about just the fact of she thinks any, every every council person should be riding these bike lanes and seeing how often they stop in some places uh, and just don't lo- don't no longer continue on and or how many cars park in them. Um, and now there's a proposal that I think will probably pretty easily pass to raise the 
the uh, what is it called a fine for violating parking and bike lanes from twenty five to hundred dollars. Now that also relies, of course, on enforcement. And that's why they want to create this quality of life team to actually go out there and issue these fines. Do you think that'll be helpful? Do you think that's a huge priority to fix that will help folks feel safer? Like you said, am- not amateur, but beginner riders in the city? I think it's important. Mm-hmm. I-, I mean, there are so few bike lanes to begin with. When they're blocked with a the vehicle, they become, you know, they don't, they, they, their purpose is no longer <laughs> possible, right? right. The, the, it's no longer safe because then you have to veer out around the traffic. Um, so it is, you know, a lot of people complain about that for a reason. And I think, you know, it's, it's just like you, we wouldn't allow a car to park on a sidewalk. We wouldn't allow a car to park in the middle of the street. We don't, right? We, they get towed or they get ticketed. We have to have that same view, I think, when it comes to bike lanes. Mm-hmm. So we're, uh, we're actually advocating for uh, city council to adopt those those changes to the ordinance to to increase the fine and and increase enforcement as well mm-hmm. uh, what will it will it solve the problem we don't know that mm-hmm. but it's certainly a step in the right direction right I think that I'm a, I, so I too don't want people parking in the bike lane and my biggest gripe is Commonwealth not mm-hmm. not uptown right Commonwealth they have those two giant lanes mm-hmm. and Instead of people parking in their driveway, people want to have two and three cars, and I'm going to try not to use any four-letter words. You're allowed, if you want. <laughs> Deep breath. And so instead of parking their cars in the park in their in their driveways and moving one when the other person wants to drive the other car, they just leave them on the street, creating a very dangerous situation mm-hmm. for cyclists on that street because people use Commonwealth. They need speed bumps on that street. Mm-hmm. People drive down Commonwealth at at some pretty high high rates of speed, and and then their cars in what's supposed to be a shared lane. It's supposed to be shared, but you put an SUV in one of those lanes, it's it's, it's not, not. going to be shared. Mm-hmm. Now regarding uptown. I think, you know, I own a business uptown, and, and I have the bike share uptown, and we have to unload and load bikes. So I'll tell you, we've actually been in the bike lane before, mm-hmm. but we primarily use our alley uh, to move our bikes in and out. The challenge that we have is we are an urban area, like everywhere else in the universe, and a lot of these businesses have no no way of getting – their goods because they don't have, you know, docks to pull into. Uh, the ones that do, you don't you don't see trucks. But like Chima's, Chima's is the primary culprit, and maybe even uh, Clean Juice. But I doubt they're getting that kind of like mm-hmm. that much uh, stuff. Chima's has trucks regularly dropping well, off items. I will admit, I used to drive Uber Eats, and I was very much a Suspect. <laughs> I was very much like, when is someone that I follow on Twitter going to take a picture of my car? Uh, so I will admit that I no longer do. It's hard to do business in uptown as it is. Mm-hmm. And then you add the there's no place for loading and unloading goods. And it's like the restaurant has to get their, their goods. I think that it, they probably didn't think about the fact that it would be uh, you know, almost an everyday kind of occurrence for different different businesses right there. But honestly, they're not there all day. Mm. 
And I ride enough in those bike lanes to know, and my office is right outside. It is not a huge deal. It is a pain in in the tush, mm-hmm. but it is not. Oh, that's the four-letter word. <laughs> it, it's, it, you know, just doing business and knowing how hard it is. I have to drive up sometimes and get my segways out of our storage unit that's right there on that bike lane. So it makes it it's very difficult um, for the way that we're trying to retrofit bicycle infra- infrastructure to also meet the needs of businesses in uptown, some of which are small businesses like mine. Right. And so there just need to be some, some thought given. There's a like, couple of solutions to that. Or some time frames. I think one is that, for example, on 6th Street, what they've done in an area on a, on a block where there was a lot of moving trucks parked in the bike lane is they actually created a parking space um, on you know the other side of the of the curb and took away a lane. I saw that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so I think you know, still providing the parking when where it's necessary, but instead of blocking the one bike lane, blocking one of the vehicle lanes when there's multiple vehicle lanes because cars can still flow around mm-hmm. that parking space, whereas bicycles don't have that second option. The other thing is that you know this is more expensive and harder as we rebuild streets. What a lot of cities have done is they've actually extended the the curb. So that you don't just have the sidewalk behind the curb, but you have a, a your bike lane as well. So you know you can then, then a vehicle could still park along the along the street, but you know the essentially the bike lane would be elevated and um, more like a sidewalk. But mm-hmm. you know so you'd have two paths um, between the curb and the building, and we see that in a lot of cities, and that's I think a solution to that problem. But obviously it's when we're retrofitting, as Diana said. It's tough to get some of those solutions in place. Right. Um, certainly not something you can do everywhere, but hopefully as we, as our infrastructure evolves, we'll be able to do more like that, especially on, on new roads. Mm-hmm. I like what they did on 6th Street. But also, you know, we can go way back to some of the original bike lanes that they put in, like over on Oak Lawn, where they put a space for cars to park and a bike lane so that you're not having to compete mm-hmm. with cars because – Riding alongside cars is is dangerous, um, park cars, because you don't know if they're getting ready to pull out or or what have you. Yeah. But and getting, getting doored, I think, is the verb. Mm-hmm. Is also Right. But if you're trying to squeeze into the, what's left of the bike lane or that shared lane on Commonwealth, you stand a really great chance of getting doored, mm-hmm. um, which is deadly. Mm-hmm. And and so that that type of thing is is more more of an issue. The trucks aren't there. All day, all day long. But I will tell you that Sixth Street bike lane. I felt like a, a, for a while there, there was always somebody in there. So adding this hasn't changed. I just I just use it on the way here, mm-hmm. and there's a moving truck in the bike lane, mm-hmm. even though there's a parking space right there mm-hmm. for the for the trucks. Oh really? Because yeah. I, I I'll tell you, I, it's my, the second my, day in a row. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. Because my nephew just got here, and I've been carting him around. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, for what like. 180, 200 days I had ridden my bike and I hadn't run into any problems on that lane, not saying there aren't any, and I'm not saying that's not important. I I think that coming up with a realistic bicycle plan for a city that doesn't have room for what would be the optimum, like real protected bike lanes that you know, where whole streets are just right. for bikes and, you know, doing something really radical. Like we're not 
going to have cars and bikes on these same streets. There are plenty of streets in Charlotte that you could say you get 10 cars a day down this road. Let's take this and we're going to make this car uh, bike only and and just do something really radical like that to separate the traffic. Um, I never ride in South Charlotte and I am not trying to blame the victim. I just never ride out there. Those folks act entitled to the entire street and I give it to them. Mm. I was like, that is yours. You can have it because I think that in the minds of some people out there, it's the cyclist's fault when something happens. Oh, absolutely. That in it's the like, well, what are you doing out here? It's like, I just don't go out there mm-hmm. because those are, I mean, it's like you got roads that are supposedly 35 and 45 and people are riding 55, 60 yeah. down the street. No, thank you. Yeah. No. <laughs> and Shannon, wanting to be uh, uh, considerate of you, you have a family commitment. I know you got to get out of here pretty soon, but I just wanted to sort of get your closing thoughts on what you'd like to see. I know you're you're optimistic about where we're heading with the with the, our plans now and what's on paper, as you said earlier, and what you can view as to what's coming under what's coming up. What would you like to see the city do? And you've answered this a few times. I know you've given me plenty of ideas, so not to make yourself uh, repeat yourself. But you know, has Diana just gave some some uh, radical ideas that we might not even might not even think of any uh, in the near future city governments really implementing. But what are some of your dream goals, whether it be a realistic one or not real unrealistic one, to see the city? really do to to make cyclists more safe? Well, I think it really comes down to building building the network, you mm-hmm. know, building a safe, connected network of, of, of bike facilities. And that that it it takes more time when funding is limited. I think it's not always, you know, a lack of funding, but funding is a major, you know, there's lots of projects mm-hmm. that the city would like to do. Um, but the funding goes very quickly, you know, when we're t- talking about... And the projects don't. The projects don't go the very projects quickly. don't go quickly right. uh, they go very slow um, and the money just is consumed very fast by very few projects so you know this is one of the one of the many reasons we've been an, an advocate for the the one cent sales tax for mobility you know this would unlock a new source of dedicated funding for all modes of transportation including bike infrastructure um, you know the way we're funding um, you know capital projects now um, street you know for transportation I should say is you know through these two-year bonds and it's really just giving us so so few dollars relative to what we need as a growing city to keep up with you know the transportation infrastructure that we need to accommodate more people so funding is uh, something that we need more of and then I think we could move could move faster instead of moving one or two projects at a time there could be you know maybe right. dozens moving at a time. But then there's also times where we do just need to have, I think, more political will to, in some cases, um, provide a lane for cyclists, kind of as Diana was saying, uh, that we currently, you know, are unwilling to, you know, sort of um, give to cyclists, as we like to say. Uh, You know, we we do have a lot of streets where you have multiple lanes um, in each direction for vehicles, uh, you know, where we, we haven't been willing to do. The, the road diet, as it's called, to narrow it down from maybe four lanes to three lanes and add add bicycle lanes. We certainly could be doing more of that. That's, um, I think, something that the city's in some cases not as willing to do uh, because of, of blowback from from drivers. But I think 
at some point we have to be able to do that to get to that network because uh, we just we won't get to that safe network anytime in in our life in our lifetimes if we're if we're just waiting to you know build these these more expensive projects we sometimes it's just reallocating existing space right can I add something Absolutely. to to this because I've one hundred um, on what you're saying that that is the answer more money one hundred. Um, I also think that we've done some things right, mm -hmm. like the the Memorial Stadium underpass mm. to Independence Park. Right, yeah, that's just been there, hanging out there. That's been there. It's mm -hmm. been there. I used to use that, and then you'd go under it and end up in that in a in a muddy, <laughs> grassy um, soccer sometimes soccer field right. <laughs> mix, and there was. No road, no sidewalk to go up to the street, and you'd have to walk your bike. Um, but that right there, I feel like that underpass, completing it, completing the connectivity, completing the network, has added years on my life. Mm. Having to go up to 7th Street and cross, do any intersection, cross any intersection on, on 7th, 7th Street, Hmm. There's just too much going on, and and people are on their phones doing podcasts at the same time, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Broadcasting. If you're listening to this now, right? Right. Pay attention to what's happening. Well, around no, you. I mean they're broadcasting. And, oh, right, right. Yeah, the other day I was on 85. I just had no bike lanes on 85. Okay, but um, there was a bad accident. I stopped off to make sure that the the folks were okay. Um, and sat with a couple of gentlemen who were like completely shake, shaken up and was walking back on the street and traffic was pretty much stopped. And there's a, I mean, this was a helicopter patient away kind of, kind of mm -hmm. crash woman driving through the one lane that is open with her phone up to her face. Oh, right. And I'm standing there trying to cross that one lane of traffic to get back to my truck. And I was, I, I'm just like, we have a problem in this country. Absolutely. Part of the reason it's so dangerous to walk, because I do a lot of walking. I mean, before I came over, the reason I was late, mm. I'm you know, <laughs> trying to either you know, run like 30 miles a week, but I'm not doing it on these streets. Uh -huh. But people should be able to go out for a walk. Mm -hmm. And these streets, these sidewalks, I don't walk on Central. Mm -hmm. That sidewalk's too narrow. Sidewalk's too narrow. It is too dangerous to do something as harmless or seeming, seemingly harmless, as walk. Mm -hmm. And the assumption is everybody can get in their car and drive to a nice right. greenway, yeah. and they can't. they can't. right? So going out and wanting to just take a walk should be a right, and it's not. Mm -hmm. It right. is dangerous Amen. to walk in Charlotte. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, and we have to, because you do bike and ped. Mm -hmm. Good. It's got to be combined because I think there's so few people who relate to us cyclists. They think we're aliens. <laughs> a lot of people same, think we're aliens. I mean, when yeah. I post my pictures of riding into work and, and there's like 100 cars uh, behind me, like behind the streetcar, and they're pissed at the streetcar that can carry 500 people or 50 people, whatever it can carry on one ride. And they're looking at me like, you're, you're crazy to be riding your bike. And I'm looking at them like I'm not sitting in that traffic. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it, at the very least, I should be able to walk out of my house, walk down the street, cross the street without a car hitting me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and you can't do that in this city. Can I make a shameless plug? Absolutely. We're, we're just, make a we're shameless just, plug. We're in, the, we're in the part for shameless plugs here <laughs> to wrap up. Awesome. Well, if anyone listening wants to be part of bringing more infrastructure for bicycles and pedestrians to Charlotte, I encourage you to um, follow Sustain Charlotte. You can best thing to do is subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do that at our website, sustaincharlotte.org. Give. give. You, you need to give to Sustain Charlotte. <laughs> Advocacy is not free. And I'm going to tell you, at, like we've got to get people who love this infrastructure. This didn't just happen. I mean, you've spent a lot of time. There are a lot of other people who spent a lot of time advocating for change. So don't just sign up for the newsletter. Open your wallet, give up a coffee, and sign up for Thank Sustain you. Charlotte. Thank you, Diana. We've got to yes. have that kind of advocacy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need funding to do the advocacy. He wasn't going to say that. I had to go to black <laughs> church for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we, I just wanted to say that we, we do um, action alerts. We're actually doing an action alert in this Saturday's newsletter that will allow people to sign a petition that will go to city council, letting them know they want them to vote in support of those um, changes to um, the law regarding parking and bike lanes, for example. So we will keep you informed of opportunities to be an advocate yourself uh, and make it really easy for you to express your express your views on this. So please, please follow us and, and become an advocate and give if you can. Yeah. Awesome. Where can, where can people keep up with what's going on uh, in your world, Diana? In the joy rides world? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, you can download our app, mm-hmm. find out where our stations are. It's a Charlotte B. It's the B Cycle app. It's a, it's a black circle with white letters. Um, download that app. All of our stations are out there. You can check out the bike from the app. Um, just make sure you put the bike back in a dock when you finish because the bikes are expensive and we don't want to charge you $2,500 uh, for a bike. <laughs> we haven't done that. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. please put the bikes back mm-hmm. uh, after you finish them. Um, you can also, you know, it's never a guarantee that the work that we're doing um, will be here. This mm-hmm. is, this, this. there's no guarantee. It's like, you know, if you look at the greenway system, greenways were a thought way back when we were talking George Stevens and Myers Park and places like that. And the automobile advocacy and corporate advocacy, people who were coming into the city at that time didn't think it was important. We go through waves of advocacy for the, for the type of work that we're doing. Um, we went through a dry sp- four-year dry spout, dry, whatever, Mm -hmm. dry spell, spell, sorry, when, you know, during um, the last conservative president. Mm -hmm. I mean, from a, because, you know, a lot of what the bike share work was being done at, you know, at a federal level trying to get, I mean, I I purchased my bikes with money from uh, the Department of Transportation, from uh, we got clean air, uh, clean air mitigation money, and we got transportation alternatives money to expand our system. Mm-hmm. We need people engaged even when they're comfortable, even when they think that they've reached nirvana. They haven't. It can be taken away. And there's no guarantee that bike share is a given. People go through waves. You know, we've been supported by companies. People go through waves of what they support. No guarantee that that support will always be around. 
And so we need people active and actually utilizing and supporting through money these types of things that we're doing because a lot of people in our community like to talk, but we're not seeing a lot of money come in uh, from some of those same, so the most vocal of mm-hmm. people. So yeah, if we right. if we had fifty dollars a year from every one who rides a bike in Charlotte, we'd be a well-funded organization. Same here. <laughs> nice. Same here. If we had fifty dollars a year from all of our readers, we would also be well-funded. So <laughs> check out how to fund both. But I appreciate you guys coming in. Um, it's been really an insightful conversation. I know that we we should revisit this topic in another few months because there's other even topics that didn't even get to touch on. But Check out both of their organizations. Thanks for coming on, Shannon, Diana. It's been a great talk. Thanks for having us. This is awesome. RIP Bruce Allen Davis. RIP Christy Crowder. Uh, Look where you're going, everybody. And uh, cheers. Get off your phones. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.